Hello and welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spezia, and today is April 7th, 2019. This is the 62nd episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. On today's episode, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription and Jason Schreier's devastating Anthem report in our headline roundup. Our main topic is predicting Super Smash Bros. Ultimate DLC characters. And then we will get to your calls if you're tuning in live on Discord. Well, I hope you've been having a great week in games. I apologize for the voice, the general sloppiness, messiness. I am just not feeling well this weekend. Pretty, pretty sick. Just you may be able to tell with the voice compared to usual. So I, I apologize there. But in sickness and in health, we're, you know, we're powering through at least making myself available to you on Sundays here and trying a little bit later uh, than usual this time just to see if if that helps with the caller interaction, just to mix things up here. I'm just trying to make myself available to you there to call in and have your voice uh, be able to contribute to the show. But in the meantime, I've been playing quite a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And there are so many games, so many new games that I could be playing. I mean, I think of uh, Rakuen comes to mind, which is kind of in the backlog there. I think Resident Evil 2, I still have yet to get to. But yeah, I'm playing... Assassin's Creed Odyssey, one of my favorite games of last year. And it's because there's all the DLC to catch up on. So I've been playing through the three episodes of the Legacy of the Lost Blade, which is their first big story expansion. The second Fate of Atlantis expansion comes out, I believe, starting on the 23rd of April here would be the first episode of that. And in the meantime, they have these weekly free sort of episodic missions that roll out. And this one that they just rolled out recently was uh, Air of Memories which is they kind of intermix the modern day story with the past story and kind of set up for Fate of Atlantis. So very interesting stuff. I mean, my save files passed now 100 hours on that. Like I really, really dug that game and still continue to play that game. But there has been quite a bit going on in the game industry before we talk about our main topic of Smash Brothers DLC and where we stand for that. So let's get into our headline roundup. From reports from The Verge and other places this past week, we learned that Microsoft may soon implement a $15 per month Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold deal that they may call Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription. Uh, These reports say that this is likely to be revealed later this month with the reveal of the Xbox One S All Digital Edition, which again has been reported for a while but not yet confirmed by Microsoft. So this is kind of what we've been wanting them to do for a long time, right? They have their Game Pass subscription service, but do we really have to pay that on top of Xbox Live Gold? And they're saying, you know, combine the two together. How does the math stack up though? Well, I guess if you're paying the two together on a monthly basis, they're currently $19.98 as far as, you know, US dollars is concerned. If you're paying them monthly, though, if you take the gold price, at $60 a year. And if you do the 12 months of Game Pass at $10 a year, I mean, that's a total of $180 a year, right? So if you do then the comparison of 12 months at $15 a month for both together, that's $180 a year. It's the same sort of total. So it makes sense to price it at that point. 
people are wondering and speculating and looking beyond because Microsoft has another service coming up with the Project xCloud streaming service. And is there going to be another level beyond that? Do they do eventually like a $20 per month sort of uh, bundle that if you pay that price per month, it comes with this xCloud bundled in? It's going to be very interesting to see how as Microsoft starts to transition more into services in addition to their console, uh, how they price that out and how video game players respond. It's going to be very interesting, certainly. I think the most just shocking report of the week, actually, you know, video game journalism, believe it or not, of course it comes from Kotaku and Jason Schreier over there. Jason Schreier with a report about Anthem and the development history there. Speaking with 19 people on the record, anonymous sourced interviews, uh, basically summing it up. I mean, you have to read this article. It's in the show notes. Please do read the full thing. But if I were to sum up what's happening, Basically, he says it's a story of indecision and mismanagement, uh, that Frostbite's technical challenges were being forced on the team, and that there's a lot involved there, uh, that there was resentful tension between BioWare's Austin and Edmonton Studios. There was a development of seven years, and yet production was only in the final 18 months. And then, most devastating of all, talk of, you know, commonplace of stress leaves or even stress casualties. I mean, not in the death sense, of course, but just people leaving the company because they were just too stressed out. I mean, the leaves, I mean, at months at a time, it's just, just wild. So even the way Jason opens this article saying that this game was originally supposed to be called Beyond and EA and Bioware, they even had t-shirts printed, but it was changed just days before the game's reveal at E3 2017. And these employees working at Bioware are like, Anthem? Like, how does that reflect what we're working on at all? So EA came up with a response at first and kind of partnered with Bioware to craft a blog like the day of. And one of the quotes they said here was, quote, we don't see the value in tearing down one another or one another's work. We don't believe articles that do that are making our industry and craft better. And essentially what that's doing, it's assuming what the article is talking about before they actually even read it. And so that looks bad on that front. It looks a little better when BioWare general manager Casey Hudson, yes, Casey Hudson, back from the glory days of the Mass Effect trilogy, he had an internal memo with the company, with BioWare, saying that basically these problems are real and it is our top priority to continue working to solve them. But Jason Schreier also says that he's received plenty of messages since this article, basically, of people saying, replace Bioware with my studio, and it's the same story. So absolutely, please read the piece. It's it's a doozy, but you'll be glad you did. It's just really eye-opening, and it's more of a call than ever to unionize the game industry, because practices like this are simply unacceptable. I know that's been one of Jason's big pushes, totally behind him in that sense. I mean, that's... Just wild to actually see this quality level reporting come out. And it's just things that need to be worked on industry-wide. Speaking of Jason Schreier, he always seems to be on the beat of breaking the latest Assassin's Creed game. And for me, playing that recently, that was kind of relevant. Uh, but people have been discovering that in The Division 2, which is Ubisoft's latest big release, it's almost a month out at this point, there is a teaser in the in-game Washington, D.C., Potomac Event Center. And there's, there's a poster in there with the title of Valhalla. 
And it's showing a Viking holding what looks to be the ancient artifact from the Assassin's Creed universe, a piece of Eden. Now, we know that Assassin's Creed is skipping 2019, that it will be coming 2020, gives more time to work on it. But in this article, Kotaku says that they can confirm with two sources that this is a tease for the next Assassin's Creed game, codenamed currently Kingdom, and yes, focuses on Vikings, which is not Rome, as some believed like a long, not as long ago at this point, a 4chan post that was before Assassin's Creed Origins said that Ubisoft's working on a trilogy of ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, and ancient Rome. And so a lot of people were like, well, they got the first two right, and it was before Origins, so what about Rome? No, it looks like they're they're going in a different direction. Maybe the plans changed since then, but Jason Schreier Kotaku says Vikings, which is certainly interesting when you come across, you know, the Norse mythology of last year's God of War game. Corey Barlog certainly seems to be excited by the possibility of that. So it's all very interesting to see. The article also drops that a London teaser that was kind of placed in Watch Dogs 2 in the DLC does in fact have an impact for Watch Dogs 3, which it was probably going to be this fall's big Ubisoft game. So keep an eye on E3 2019. And if we get Watch Dogs 3, if that's in London, probably a good bet that Ubisoft Assassin's Creed is going to be going towards Vikings for Assassin's Creed in 2020. Very interesting. A big tease website went up uh, and that's p5s.jp. And so it's a persona website and it's teasing P5S. There's a one more information, uh, specifically noting April 25th. But according to Gematsu, there is a calling card in the source code for the website. And it says, calling card, April 25th, 2019. We will show you a new Phantom Thieves that will turn the world's cognition on its head. We are energized by voices that seek satisfaction. Once again, we will take your heart at the Ryogoku Kokugikan and says, from the Phantom Thieves. That's the theater where uh, April 25th is going to be the second day of the Persona Super Live P-Sound Street 2019 Welcome to the Q Theater concert in Tokyo. Now, Atlas has already revealed that, you know, the big P5R, Persona 5, the Royal tease from about a week or so ago, that information is going to be coming on the 24th. And again, that's in Japan, but the first day of this concert series. So... I mean, get ready in a couple weeks, some, some big Persona news. Now, what could P5S be? To me, it really does have the feeling of Persona 5 on Switch, right? And especially with that line, we are energized by voices that seek satisfaction. I mean, everybody wants Persona 5 on Switch. The question though, of course, being, how does this strike the balance with the Royal? I mean, is there some sort of publishing partnership deal where Sony PlayStation 4 gets the newer game with the updates and all that. And even then, does that game take longer to release? I mean, in Japan first, much less Atlas USA's localization, or if it's just a vanilla Persona 5 game, just, you know, the game we've known for about two years now, uh, if it's just a vanilla Persona 5 on Nintendo Switch, does that mean it could release sooner? because all the localization work has been done with that. Sure, it wouldn't be ideal, but it'd be something you know better than nothing to satisfy players before the Royal comes out later on PS4. And just keep in mind that when this Japan event happens, 
they're going to talk about maybe Japanese release windows. And Atlas is going to be on the, have to be on the ball pretty quickly to turn around and say, this is our version of that date when we can localize it and all that. Speaking of teases, though, and it kind of ties in with Persona 5 Switch a little bit, Wario64 on Twitter, a, a must-follow Twitter account if you don't already and you're really interested about game news and game deals, noticed that there were different retail placeholders in Best Buy's system, which has certainly caused speculation. Specifically, there were game pages made in their database for Persona 5 on Switch, Metroid Prime Trilogy on Switch, and The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on Switch. Now, right up front, placeholders don't mean anything. I mean, keep in mind the last really notable one was the Walmart Canada one right before E3 2018 with all those games you remember, but we're still waiting on Splinter Cell. Uh, we're still waiting on the confirmation of Final Fantasy VII Remake on Xbox One, so keep that all with, with a grain of salt here. But is there really any reason to doubt that Super Nintendo games, like, are they not going to be added to Switch Online? Could it be a Link to the Past remake, almost like what's being planned for Link's Awakening? Or is this just speculation, someone being hopeful and trying to be on the ball so that the time turnaround doesn't have to be too long? Look, I'd imagine that SNES games are going to come to Switch Online. That's, that makes sense for an E3 announcement. That makes sense. Grow that service, absolutely. But just interesting to point out here that Link to the Past on Switch, I mean, what is that doing here? And yeah, keep in mind, just rumor thing for the back of your head there. But actual game and release date announcements from the past week, here's a big one. Super Mario Odyssey and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild are getting substantial Labo VR updates on April 25th on Nintendo Switch. Super Mario Odyssey, there's going to be like three sort of levels that you can play with VR, but for Breath of the Wild, they say you can play the whole game in Labo VR. I mean, we'll have to see it hands-on and actually see how good an experience that actually is, but it's a, it's a toggleable thing in the menu, according to Nintendo. It's certainly very interesting. And then to follow up on the big news from PAX East last week, Borderlands 3 is coming September 13th to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. That PC release is going to be a six-month exclusivity window on the Epic Games Store, says some people up in arms about that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, two big releases as far as release date announcements. I mean, Labo VR, those those megaton Nintendo games, and then uh, Borderlands 3 coming this fall, absolutely. As far as Labo VR is concerned, I mean, it goes back to that Best Buy story. Metroid Prime Trilogy when? If Breath of the Wild works, I can only imagine what Metroid Prime Trilogy would look like in VR. So keep an eye on that one. But let's get to our main topic, and it's all about predicting Super Smash Bros. Ultimate's DLC with characters. I think one of the big talking points this week was about easy mode in games and compare that to accessibility in games. And of course, it all focuses on Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. But it's it's not much of a hot take or a long main topic kind of take to just say, it doesn't matter how you play your games. Play however it makes you happy. Don't be a jerk and gatekeep game experiences for others. You aren't better than anyone else because you play games on hard mode. And there, it's done. That's the point. You know, video over, da-da-da-da-da. So I think it's more interesting to talk about 
Super Smash Brothers Ultimate DLC. And so going into this with all that I kind of learned and kept my eyes on during the Show Me Your News podcast, especially if we when we brought it back for SMYN Ultimate. So all of the things I've been kind of keeping eyes on, seeing here and there, I kind of have it narrowed down to I think there are three characters, I mean one we obviously know about, but then two other characters that I feel pretty confident are going to be there. And then we have, I think maybe kind of five characters. I'm going to rank five characters and what I think the likelihood will be for those other two complete guesses of spots, right? I mean, I can tell you, you know, my dream picks after that. So let's kind of break this down bit by bit here. We, of course, know that Joker from Persona 5 is going to be coming to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It was revealed in December 2018 at the Game Awards, that amazing, fantastic trailer, right? His release was estimated as April in February's Nintendo Direct, which was like the last big one. And it's relevant this week and why I kind of wanted to talk about it again, because uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate won like Game of the Year at Famitsu's Game of the Year Awards and Sakurai got on stage and made some comments and he said, Joker is coming soon. Now soon could be a few weeks, it could be a little longer than that, but we get a little bit of an update from there. Now there was a leak some time back where it said that Joker's stage was Mementos. And anyone who's played Persona 5 knows that this is the worst possible stage that could be selected for Joker. It's just dull. It's boring. Would any of the music really fit on that kind of visual level? I mean, why not the casino? That's how the game starts. It's much more flash. You'd fit the music choices much better. But okay, Mementos. And then it followed up with the data mine. And we see Jack Mementos. And it's like, all right, fine. Okay. So... I'm becoming to be more accepting of that. It's just, you know, brace for that. You got the dream character. Maybe not everything that comes with it is going to be, you know, make your wildest dreams come true. But data mining took an interesting uh, twist, as we talked about on a previous episode here, where there's the ponytail contingent uh, within one of Joker's alternate costumes, according to this data mine. And then we see the Persona 5, the royalties with a pretty prominent female character. I think they're trying to be dodgy in who this character actually is. I mean, is it going to be a protagonist? Are they trying to throw us off the trail by saying negative things about the Phantom Thieves as they're talking to a certain character? You know, we'll see. It's part of the tease and the weeks leading up to this Persona concert event. We'll have to wait and see. But now, I mean, Persona 5S is a thing, and all these things are starting to build up towards a corporate synergy between Nintendo and Atlas. And sure, you could see Atlas you know, making their news on the 24th or 25th, but it wouldn't surprise me to see a Smash update shortly after. I mean, maybe they even partner up and at this Persona concert, that's where we see the first Smash Brothers gameplay footage of Joker. I mean, that would be exciting, right? Just don't expect Joker to release before because that's going to spoil whatever surprise this ponytail character is and Atlas wants that stage to themselves. So, if it's going to stay as April, last few days of April at best. Just keep that in mind. When we talk about who the next character could be, and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be the next character revealed. I mean, but generally most people have come to understand and accept that the second character, at least supposed confirmed, you know, lock it down, the the sort of winds of fate as they are kind of dictating all these different leaks and whatnot it's looking like it's going to be erdrick from dragon quest 
This is going to be the Square Enix rep here. It was part of that same 5chan league as the Mementos. Um, there was even that keyword brave in the data mining there. And that could be a play on many things, but a lot of people take it as a play on Erdrich's hero class of Yusha. And remember at that Nintendo Direct when there was like five minutes of Dragon Quest 11s That's a lot to talk about. Dragon Quest, okay, an enhanced edition coming this fall to switch with new content, but why care about Dragon Quest so much? Well, it's because it's huge in Japan. But also, they want us to care stateside. So that when they show a character from Dragon Quest 3, like the main character, that we should be excited about it. And maybe they'll show they'll have, you know, different skins for a Dragon Quest 10 or 11 hero or things like that. And they may have slime as an assist trophy. Uh, you know, just like the the one leak said, Jack Frost may be an assist trophy, or at least that'd be the way to possibly interpret, appears on stage and does a skill. And just you know, keep that in mind. So we know of Joker, and it feels like whether or not it's the next character revealed, Erdrick, Dragon Quest, it feels like it should be a sure thing at this point. I wouldn't get too many hopes up for, for other Square Enix characters. Chrono, Sora is kind of a, a pipe dream anyway. But get ready for Dragon Quest. Like, at least, I would say, expect that one. And now we come to the point of what I think is could be the third character. And again, not necessarily in release, but as far as confidence this will likely happen, Microsoft's a very interesting player in this field. With how well they've been working with Nintendo, again, if you've heard, show me your news ultimate, if you've heard maybe even episodes of this show, when we talk about a Microsoft representative in Super Smash Brothers, it comes down to two characters. It comes down to Steve from Minecraft, and it comes down to Banjo-Kazooie. Now, both characters have their different benefits to play. I think as far as the business sense goes with partnering with different third parties and, and promoting different things here and there, this is where I think Steve gets the nod here and there. And I know it may hurt your heart to hear that. It hurts mine as well. But if you think about from the business case, if you think about the audience reach of people who care about Minecraft and if to get Minecraft representation in Super Smash Brothers and try to draw that audience there, I mean, then you also have skin potential that you can put on Steve. You could do different Microsoft references here and there. Even Master Chief, which, you know, Master Chief is a very out there possibility for a character on his own. But that could be your way in. You get a Master Chief skin on Steve, and that could be a, another tie-in that way. I think when you talk about the business case and the amount of sales that you could get from a season pass, that could be more appealing to Nintendo than say, well, Banjo-Kazooie is a character from Nintendo's history with Nintendo 64. And I guess at the end of the day, it really comes down to Sakurai and what he decided with Nintendo. What matters more? But again, in a sense of you can't always get what you want, I'm going to lean towards saying Steve is going to get the Microsoft bump instead of Banjo here. So we have those three characters. I feel like those are pretty sure things at this point where we are you know, definitively in one character and the, the kind of tea leaves are kind of pointing towards two more characters. So what about those final two slots? It could honestly be anything. And so I have five characters here where I kind of want to rank them in most likely to least likely just to kind of get them out there in case they somehow end up being proven true. And there's kind of some logic behind each of these. So let's start 
with Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco worked a whole lot on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and they already have Pac-Man in the game. But as other third parties start getting their characters added for more representation, what about Bandai Namco? It feels like Tales, the Tales of series, needs a representative. And for a while, I, th I think Lloyd Irving from Tales of Symphonia feels like a slam dunk choice. I mean, if anyone's going to have, you know, swords as a weapon, he has two swords. It could mix up. It could seem different. Uh, just watch out for the sneaky case that Velvet from Tales of Berseria could make. Just as far as a different kind of representation for an RPG series like that. Uh, just, just keep that in mind. I feel like you know, Yuri, while he may be one of the better Tales of protagonists, you know, doesn't stand out as much from like a marketing standpoint necessarily uh, that you could get with with Lloyd and with Velvet. So either of those two, this is where a lot of people will also say Bandai Namco, you know, Goku. And as amusing that as that would be, probably not. Let's just, let's be a little realistic about this. When it comes to Capcom, I think you have to keep Monster Hunter in mind, especially because the franchise is already represented in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Do they expand on that representation? Is there a Monster Hunter character, like the main hunter, like kind of like they, what they did in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite? Does a character like that come into Smash Brothers? I'll do you one better, though. What about Dante from Devil May Cry 5? I know, yes, featuring Dante from, from Devil May Cry with that sticker and everything, but... If you look at Devil May Cry 5 and just the wealth of possibilities for a moveset, you could change it into all of his modes. There could be no shortage, and it would be a great crossover with one of Hideki Kamiya's other creations, Bayonetta. So, I mean, just imagine Dante and Bayonetta. That'd be a dream matchup and could happen in Super Smash Bros. So, I just think, keep that in mind from a moveset, from a, a crossover with other franchise possibility. If Capcom's going to get another nod, maybe Monster Hunter, because it's already in there, but... Dante, I think, would be the smarter pick. Level 5 is an interesting play here because it's a Japanese company and they represent franchises that are big in Japan. And that definitely helps when it comes to third-party representation. But there's always one character that when it's thrown out in our conversations on the Shomir News Discord, I remember just how sneaky good of a pick it could be. And that's Jibanyan from Yokai Watch. This would be one that appeals to kids. I mean, it's like the new Japanese hit Phenom, almost like Pokemon. It's not to that big of an extent, but it's almost like that. It's what they're trying to sort of recapture over there. So it's a big deal there. It has some popularity here, I would say Yokai Watch, but Jibanyan is just one of those where, yeah, it's level five, but it's also a Nintendo game. And so if we start saying third party, third party, well, what about Nintendo games? And, you know, ones that could stand out Jibanyan, don't, don't sleep on that one. That could be surprising, I think. We've also seen Bethesda as a Western third party that is really taken to Nintendo Switch. And man, if you throw out the Doom Slayer, Doom Guy, Doom Marine, however you want to call him, to partner maybe in promoting Doom Eternal, uh, that would be a big one. I mean, a game that's coming to Switch and promote it in that way. And it's also going back to gaming's roots of the really the first first person shooter in that sense i think that could play on sakurai's love of gaming history that'd be a really really interesting pick there but again does super smash Bros. ultimate cater to a western third party like bethesda i mean i guess if they do with microsoft all bets are off 
And then when we're talking about another Western third party, we got to mention Ubisoft. And Ubisoft and Nintendo are going together, just partnering up, I mean, whether it's with Starlink, whether it's Mario and Rabbids. So who do they put in Super Smash Brothers? As much as I'd love to say a character from Assassin's Creed, Rayman makes too much sense. But the only reason I think it might not work out is like Rayman's already in what, Brawlhalla, and that's a Ubisoft game already. Do they double dip? Do they say it's okay? Um, it certainly would be very interesting. I think Ubisoft makes sense for a partner standpoint, but maybe at that point there are other better characters that could fit these last couple spots. So again, I think, you know, we know of Joker. I think Erdrick from Dragon Quest is pretty much a lock at this point. A Microsoft representative, whether it's Steve or Banjo, but I think Steve, especially at E3 2019, would make too much sense. Just a megaton announcement there. And then with the remaining two, I mean, think of, you know, a Tales rep, whether it's Lloyd or Velvet. Dante from Devil May Cry would be interesting. Jibanyan, Doomguy, Rayman, all interesting possibilities. Now, there have been other characters from leaks that are uh, probably worth mentioning, at least for history's sake. I mean, you have Ryu Hayabusa from Ninja Gaiden, Chrono from Chrono Trigger, Neku Sakuraba from The World Ends With You, Edelgard from the upcoming Fire Emblem Three Houses game, Silux from Metroid Prime, uh, Hunters, if you want to get specific. And then there's one for Nakoruru from Samurai Showdown or Samurai Spirits. And it's like, that's a character I've never heard of before. But okay, someone wants to put it in their leak. So just, I guess, you know, throw it out there. If there are any picks that would be like on my dream level, I mean, I already got my dream pick. I mean, Joker from Persona 5 is just more than I could have ever asked for. Everything is gravy at this point for me, but I still love sort of speculating and sort of predicting it out, especially for those of you who listen. Uh, I think Sora would be a dream come true left for me. And, but then again, it's, it's playing with Disney and there's all the legal ramifications that go with that. If Banjo-Kazooie is picked over Steve, that would be fantastic. I just don't see the business case being usurped for that. And then whether it's either Phoenix Wright or Professor Layton, uh, just getting a sort of courtroom drama or mystery solving sort of spin in there, just a character that's not usually thought of as a fighting game character. I mean, Sakurai does love those, right? I mean, just get a, a non-traditional hero in there. I think those would just you know make my, my year in games, even beyond that. So that'd be fascinating. Any future DLC packs? I mean, I'd say just just get the one out for now. I'd like Masahiro Sakurai to take a rest. I know that in the data mining, they've opened it up for like three character packs worth. And yeah, that could happen in the future, but let's just focus on one for now. Honestly, that's all we really need. And honestly, all we really deserve. So that is what I have to say. Uh, this would be the point in the show where we'd pass the show over to you, the callers. Uh, I, honestly, I'm, my voice is dying here. I'm, I'm really struggling with the sickness here, but hopefully you guys are tuning in. You're listening. Thank you so much for doing that over on our discord at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Uh, but this would be the point where we pass it off to you and it'd be like a call and talk radio format. I don't know why that's never really been done for games. It's, it's great for sports. If you're into sports, I mean, that's a prime, you know, show format, but I like to get that going for games. So uh, please give feedback on when you'd like these shows to be. And I mean, I'll, I'll be here every week as best I can just to make myself available to you to kind of talk out the week in games and kind of present some thoughts for you to react to and, and like to get that kind of going with, with this community. So let's talk about the games that are out this week. We start with Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy. That's on Tuesday, April 9th. 
on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. At a $30 price point, get on that. That's that's a must-buy if you've never played the games before. I mean, love those games so, so much. Falcon Age is coming Tuesday, April 9th to PlayStation 4 and PSVR as well. They have a VR mode and a, a non-VR mode, and it, you get a little bird, and he's your, he's your wingman, literally. Uh, it looks to be super cute. I'm really excited about that one. Dangerous Driving comes out on Tuesday, April 9th on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I think this is from the makers of Burnout 3, like on, on a new studio. And a lot of people are saying it plays like Burnout 3. So that should be interesting to hear about. Zanki Zero, The Last Beginning, comes to PS4 and PC on Tuesday, April 9th. Uh, this is from the writer of the Danganronpa series, I believe. So it's it's not like a Danganronpa game at all, but there are certain references, I guess, if you have a save file. So should be interesting to see there. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice comes to Nintendo Switch on Thursday, April 11th. Uh, Playtests at PAX East said it may run a little rough, but I mean, good to get this game out in more places. It's a great, great game. Earth Defense Force Iron Rain comes to PlayStation 4 on Thursday, April 11th. And Nintendo Switch gets the Nintendo Labo Toy-Con 04, the VR Kit, on Friday, April 12th. VR comes to Switch. I'll be very interested to see and hear playtests of what that exactly is like. 720p screen and all that. Maybe Switch revisions in the future will help with that. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com, and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. I am at Pete Speakeasy. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymesathasia.com call. It's a small but growing community, so now is the perfect time to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you'd like a YouTube video to watch, uh, Saturday Night Live put up a, a new skit from their most recent episode called New Video Game. And it's it's worth watching. It's It's not the funniest thing in the world. There are a couple stinkers in there, but there are a couple... Good jokes about, you know, talking to NPCs and what the, the programming is like in there. And if you can catch a certain Game of Thrones actor making a an American voice <laughs> impression in there, uh, that's, that's certainly worth the watch. I think just to see how the mainstream is trying to interpret gaming and in this case, VR gaming, it's, it's, it's worth a watch just to kind of see what SNL and the, the people there are doing about games. So, yeah. I think I somehow made it through there with my voice somewhat intact. Uh, but thank you for listening, you know, toughing it out, hearing some of that Super Smash Brothers DLC sort of hypothesization, uh, if you will. I just kind of want to get it down on the record as we're still in the early stages here of that that full DLC pack and see you know where it goes from here. It's going to be one of the big stories throughout the year of 2019, of course, with many, many more others that we'll, we'll get to talk about here. So thank you so much for listening. Please stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything develops. And regardless, whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.